0: Welcome to the Beast Tactical Podcast, where we try to get under the bonnets of all things tactical and statistical at Brentford. I'm David Anderson, your host for today, and for the very first time since Brentford's promotion to the Premier League, gosh yes, that still sounds so weird, I'm delighted to be joined for the start of our summer recruitment specials by my good friend Jake Newman. Jake, how are you and thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm great, honestly. We're in a bit of dreamland at the moment, aren't we, with everything that's going on a little old Brentford. Yes. It's just...
0: Brentford have made it to the Premier League, mate. What have you made of it all?
1: <laughs> I just yeah, like I think someone summed it up on Twitter brilliantly, even when they had it in the corner in the ninety fifth minute, with Marcondes holding them off and 0 I was still were expecting Swansea to go down the end and score three or <laughs> I was just you were just waiting for the inevitable collapse, but we were in cruise control for most of that game and we scored the two goals literally within twenty minutes and killed the tie off and Swansea didn't offer much. And it's just kind of a bit of wonderland at the moment and after mm. last year's defeat it's kind of just like oh my goodness we made it and I don't really yeah. know what to make of it all. It's like some sort of elaborate pre season next year where we're playing thirty eight games against the best teams <laughs> in England and
0: Yeah. I'm not gonna believe it for a while. I mean, especially after last year's like defeat, the way we did it, um but just how comfortable we looked all game, and you're still thinking, how can we screw this up? Like there must be a way that we mess this up. Um, are we going to bring on too many players? Uh, are we going <laughs> to? Are we just going to get? <laughs> there's there's anything that can happen, and we're just thinking it's going to happen. But it was just complete control, wasn't it? Which is just um, amazing to see. And finally, the luck and the dice rolled in our favour. Um, that's all well and good, mate. But it's only half the job, isn't it? Um, We've been on the up for ages, we've made improvements year to year, Um, but now there's just a whole new set of challenges. Um, Yeah, Do you want to talk to us about some of those challenges? What do you think they are?
1: Yeah, competing with the two teams that have spent nearly a billion quid in (laughs) in 10 years, or is it City and Chelsea?
0: Mm.
1: Somehow we're going to be little old Brentford competing with that. <laughs> it's just not. It's just boggling to say we're going to be going to Man United away, Liverpool away, Chelsea away, City, Arsenal, Spurs, but the lesser half of London. So, but the, no, the challenges come, especially in the recruitment side now with changes to the Brexit deals and the GBE system they've put in place, which basically you have to get 15 points off a certain criteria list. Basically, it's what club you're league or what league you're playing in, and the bands of set. So the top band is the top five leagues. The second band is, I think, it's Scotland, uh, Brazil, Mexico, Argentina, and a few other. Oh, that's band three or something. And then basically, as the tiers go down and the the league quality in theory gets worse, and basically means that you have to match a number of points. The magic number is 15. You hit 15 from a number of criteria, you get a work permit. If you don't, you can take it to an exemptions panel this season. And if they've missed a certain number of games due to injury or circumstances beyond the think the wording in the document was so, for instance, they might qualify. There might be a few that are like on 13 or 14 points that get through this season, but it's a bit of a mess. But it's just the workarounds, it shut off a lot of our conventional markets. I think we'll go on to that in a bit later, won't we? And we'll discuss about Scandinavia being shut off a bit in Europe. I think Giles has said before they crunched the numbers and Ben Rama, Malpai wouldn't have qualified for work permits under the current system and guidelines. So then now that we go into the Premier League, where the quality steps up again, the money steps up again, how are we going to cope? Where are we going to find that quote-unquote undervalued market? And Hopefully, if we go through this podcast in the next hour or so, we might throw a few names up that could do a job or have a look at
0: Uh Yeah, we hope so. We hope so. But yeah, great stuff on explaining that. Um, it's just more difficult to, to, to scout players and bring players in from like the second tiers, isn't it? I think the second and third tiers where um, if you think about promotion, only two teams can get promoted or sometimes in leagues, only two get promoted each season um, good players can get trapped in these leagues, and they should be getting promoted but there 's just obviously not enough opportunity for them and then the the good teams sign maybe the wrong players and we 've done really well from league two haven 't we league two. um mm. we 've really profited from that, and this because um there 's so many good players down there and it 's really similar similar to the premier League and it 's quite a, quite an easy adaption to english football but that 's almost been pulled beneath our feet now that that route um and yeah like <laughs> Much like um, our government's international deals, <laughs> like these trade deals we keep signing, uh, we're finding out we're worse off after them. Um, maybe in the future it will be worthwhile and we'll look back and think it was a great idea. Because, <laughs> But at the moment it just seems like we said it the other day. Well, it's, it's common knowledge, isn't it? Like if you had a pool of 50,000 players, you're almost down to 10,000 now of, of players that you can sign. So is what's what's really the aim of this. <laughs> we'll, maybe yeah. we'll find out <laughs> sooner or later.
1: Oh, it's ridiculous. It's, shoot yourself in the foot and then some, especially now we're going into a league where there are millions at stake and there are clubs that have significantly more resources than us. It's about us finding our edge, but as we've done in the championship, we had the second or third smallest budget for so many years until um, Watkins, pie and stuff took off it's now about finding our next edge and why do we compete against the, the big boys and the top six? And then you look at the league, then you go beyond the top six. You've got Leicester top four, top five. So, for the last couple of seasons, you go, West Ham have been massively improved under Moyes. You're Everton have a billionaire throw money at it. Like, you could, like there's no tomorrow. You've got the Wolves, who are always a dark horse, and have moved on from Nuno now this summer, but... Still look at Fret, especially with their connection to most of Portugal. And then to the bottom half, you go into Southampton, who are an incredibly good football side. Castle, so I really love. Palace are in a massive transition, so maybe one for the taking. Newcastle, Burnley, who we notoriously struggle against low-block teams. How the hell are we going to get past Burnley? It's going to be another nice challenge to work out. You know, the Premier League, it's interesting to see where we lie next year. And I don't know if you've got the same opinion. If we finish zero on thirty-eight points, I'm more than happy. To say we've done it for a year. After thirty eight games, we finished rock bottom, zero points, I wouldn't care. Just to say we've done the Premier League and go back to dominating the championship the season after.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think there's a strong element of that. I think we're so calm with with um trusting everyone in charge of the club now, aren't we? We we know that we're not going to implode we've got a nice new stadium it's going to be full we've got a good revenue stream um even if we go down we're going to have parachute payments if, as long as they continue and there's not some new financial regulations um i just uh the contrary to that though i just don't want to feel like we're making up the numbers and i don't think we will but I, there's also the element of pride like you want to feel like you can compete in some level and i think we have um, clever enough people in sort of decision-making positions that we that we will so um yeah i'm positive there's nothing to be other than positive about it i mean as you were saying like if you do finish on zero points who cares <laughs> you've, yeah. you've had a great ride and if you finish on 75 points and you qualify for the champions league then <laughs> happy days but <laughs> we'll just be along for the ride won't we and um, enjoy it either way
1: yeah 100 percent.
0: so so for this episode um yeah let's um uh, let's explain a little bit more um So this summer recruitment series, we're going to be concentrating on, for this episode, defenders. Um, I'll elaborate further in due course, but before we dive into that, I reckon we give maybe five or so minutes to a departing great. Um, Henrik Dalsgaard has officially moved home to Denmark. Uh, He signed for Matthew Beatham's other club, uh, FC Micheland. Um, it was probably it was talked about. I think it was it was kind of on the cards for a while. And I think um, it got out of the bag that he was going to go there. Um, but it, it's all official now. I think once the window, once it officially opens or whatever happens, he'll go. Um, Jake, yeah, like we're not we're not just doing a data dive on Dalsgard. We're just going to talk about him quickly. Like, um, yeah, give us um, give us some stuff on Dalsgard, mate.
1: Oh, don't like right. not when he first came in. Like uh, not a Brentford signing four and a bit years ago or whatever. Was it three, four years ago now? He came, he came in and wasn't a Brentford signing at the time. It was, he was older, a bit more experienced. And I remember it was that very first game Besotted recovering it for a pre-season friendly. And it was like, Dalgard God loves a cross. I always remember that one because it was non-stop of, he was like a right mid, especially in that first year or two. He was at just down that wing and you'd find him mostly camped in the final third. I think as the years have gone on, he's obviously the legs have let, let go a bit, the physicals have declined and he's dropped deeper and deeper and he's made an immense back three, back four with with Pinnock, Janssen and that back three of them, Dowsgard, Janssen and Pinnock has just been immense and you can see in the recent years obviously that our defensive record has massively improved under Frank compared to where we were at. We never had an issue in, in the final third of the pitch but... It's just that transition for him, of he's moved further and further back to probably where we want our right back, or more traditional right back most of the time. <laughs> but he came in and he's just taken us to another level, and it'll be. A, it's sad to see him go and move on, but we've got to be ruthless sometimes, and you know, there's always good for sentiment. But is he good enough for the Premier League? That's up for debate, and. But for the stuff he's done for the club, it's it's been great to see him go and see him be at the club, and hopefully he can enjoy Denmark now for the last couple of years, and might pop up when we play him in the Champions League at some point. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That'd be funny, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, I think you. Yeah, you said some great stuff there. Um, uh, what what a player! I think something that struck was what you were saying. Though we probably didn't get serious as a defensive team until he came in. Like we were. Uh, we were a joke of a defensive team, weren't we? Like we were just over the top. No one could tackle, no one could connect with the ball. Like we were just, there's just some really bad defensive stuff going on. But we, I think he had a rocky period, obviously, when he got in, first of all, and he was like up and down, and as you were saying, got caught out of position a little bit, but probably more because the rest of the team were just no good as well. I think we got serious once he was around. Um just leadership qualities. Um, in the early sh- early days, like a, just a commitment to defend, but then also attack as well.
1: Yeah.
0: Like a great leader. Um, motivated the team. Um, was always like vocal in huddles. Um, just a big guy as well. We were quite a small team, weren't we? If you think about how small we've been over the years and just slightly getting bigger and bigger. We're a team of giants now, really, if you think about it. Like our defenders. But we weren't always. And he changed that a little bit, didn't he? He was think one of the, the... ones who gave us a little bit of height.
1: You think of the last back four or before he joined it, it was Holobajo. Um you probably had Mepham and Dean in, and Dean in there mm, alongside I mean. each other. And then who was it on the left side, Bidwell? So yeah. you think all of them are pretty much have a six foot six one. You then got Dark six one, yep, 6'3". six two, six three, Pinnahu mm. six four, and then Henry's the only exception to the six foot rule. But he's
0: absolutely rapid, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just gave
1: us foundations to build off. And it's like that whole American football thing. They speak about like the defense can win, or the attack can win games, or the defense wins championships. Mm. And all that. You have the solid foundations to build, and it allowed our, our Ben Raman, our Watkins, our Tonys, our Malpies to be more successful. And it, that comes with Frank. And then, and then a lot of stuff in football we speak about, you have a guy that's on your side. He's Danish, he knew him from the youth days but had a good connection with each other and that instantly mm-hmm. sets in the precedent when you bring them these Jansons, these Pinnocks and remodel that back for you've already got a player there that knows what you want from him and it makes it easy and it'll be sad to see him go because I'm sure he was a big big character in the dressing room and one of the older heads in there and part of our whole leadership group And yeah. so but the, the question is who comes in now? And do you do you go like for like, or do you go to replace the Dow's God of Old,
0: mm.
1: or do we have that at the moment already in a, in a younger, fitter model?
0: <laughs> you also mentioned about him kind of moving back positionally and reinventing himself, and I think he did it a couple of times. Actually, he was just a mad attacking outlet, wasn't he? Like loads and loads of crosses, good positions though, like low, first time. Kind of just opened up our eyes about getting the ball into like the half space positions and then just getting it fired across quickly. Like it was, it was, it was really good to see from like an attacking small, uh, sorry, attacking big right back. Like, um, he he just got up and down that wing, didn't he? And yeah, he's been a great player for us. I think, um, probably one of the most influential over the last few years, if we're being honest. It's easy to talk about the strikers that score the goals, but. We've had the best, um, we've had the best and second best defence in the in the league for a couple of years now, and he's played quite a big part in both of those contributions. I oh, made b- yeah. sort of big contributions in that, hasn't
1: he? Yeah, hundred percent. And then you talk about the international level, right? He's our most capped player of all time that's played for us at the time, and that just speaks volumes about where we're going as a club. And to be able to have an international that's come in and played twenty two, twenty three times for his country, play an entire World Cup campaign. It's just boggling that again Brentford of League One or Two have brought a Danish international with them who's played in a World Cup tournament. He's the first one in years, and he'll be missed. And
0: he will be. He's a smart player as well. Like um, think about just allowing Ben Rama and Watkins on that left side to do what they do. Just him sitting back a little bit and timing his runs forward. Just we could go on. We could do it. In, in fact, we could do an entire podcast just talking about him directly but unfortunately we're not allowed to do that as much as i love talking about scandinavians we can't do that because um i think it would only be me that would listen to it but um, <laughs> but yeah great player and um he's going to be missed and um, we just wish him well yeah uh, we, we'll obviously keep tabs on him it's um benham's other club it's missy they play in the or they try to get into the champions league as regularly as possible we see them playing against the english teams it won't be the end of our knowledge of dalsgaard we'll be um keeping an eye on him and yeah, we wish him the best of luck. Yeah,
1: it'd be good it'd be good to see him pop up in the Champions League, hopefully at some point would be nice.
0: Okay, so as we move into the podcast proper, um so yeah, we're focusing on defenders. Um it will become clearer that there's a little bit more of a persuasion to the right side as we go on, but let's discuss formations quickly and whether that has much bearing on defensive recruitment. So I think it. I think it does and it doesn't. Um, I think for what we're looking for now in players, um, you kind of want them to be able to do two things from that right wing position. If you're talking about like right sided centre backs or, or or right wing backs or, or right backs themselves, you, you're looking for a size and a height and a, an adaptability there. Um, I think there's a wider tactical discussion to have on the formation itself, whether we play three, five, two or go back to four three three. Um I I won't go into it in depth now, but I think the success of Leeds back three pretty much as often as you can as often as they can play it. and um, Sheffield United as well a few years ago. I, I think having that extra body there helps. Um okay. Brighton have also done well just having an extra body down there and just building a possession game system. Um what do you think? Um, I know we've spoken a little bit about it, but without delving too much into the tactical stuff, and how, how much do you think that bears and wh- which direction do you think we will go in?
1: I think the thing is is that our animations anyway were typically into that back three. We've always, like we said with Dalsgaard, as he got deeper, it became with Dalsgaard, Jansson, Pinnock. Henry would be the outlet on the right, on the left, sorry, and then you'd have to Silva would provide the overlap on the right-hand side with the winger instead of the traditional winger fall back up and down. So, I think we've always had that foundation of a three to build off. So, I think we'll probably look to find a similar sort of profile to Dalsgaard. Good height, good physicals, and a bit more mobility to him, though. Someone that, on the, especially, with, we'll bring it up in a bit with Jansen, the diagonals, and getting him beaten behind. And so, if someone with a bit more pace to mop up. I think, mm. I personally feel we're better in the four through three. I think it suits the personnel of the squad more. But then we've also just won the playoffs and went on a very good run in a 3-5-2. And it would be dark just to abandon ship after a couple of weeks. I think very structurally very similar to each other anyway, in the way we build, the way we sit, the way we defend. So I don't see the formation as such as being a massive issue. But I think we'll stick with a 3-5-2 for the time being. And then maybe transition into a 4-3-3 once we're comfortable and set. But it's was fair to Sky for all their cliches and rubbish that they normally give during the, the Brentford games. They did speak a lot about our versatility. And you think about and Bueno can play on either side as a winger as a fullback. You think about the midfield: Jensen, Norgaard, can all play two out of the three roles that we have in our midfield. Two or three. You think our right back was playing right centre back. You know we have that that versatility in our team to change if we need to. And I think that's a big thing, is that we want players that can adapt and players that can play different roles and suit the system. So even if it's a pace of it's going wrong, we can switch. And I think that's a big thing this year, is just keeping it fresh. And you've seen, see, much as you touched on it with Sheffield United, it does stagnate. Teams work you out. It gets easy to work you out. And Leeds will be an interesting one next year. Beelzebub and all of that. And it's all also sort of brand new and shiny and... The second season syndrome exists, and I know it's a bit of a cliche, but you see that with teams, and they drop off and fall, because teams go on That's how they set up. You know the centre-backs at Sheffield United were going to overlap, so you know then if you ping it long in behind them on transition, where their center half half's And they haven't got the physical 1v1 defender that you need. So, yeah. So i to go for the question. I think we've set up in the three five two. It's not too dissimilar to the 4-3-3 when we're a tonkin anyway, because our defensive structure is very similar and we set up. So I think 3-5-2 to start with, and I think we'll recruit to that. And Frank has spoken about it before, even last summer. We played the 3-4-3 at the start of nineteen twenty, and he said that, that was what they recruited to. That was the third system, and Bueno was always meant to come in as like a full-back wing type player, because he's better from deep. But obviously we won't get the results, so you switch it up and... Then we went back to the four three three. He seems more comfortable than that three five two and he seems to have a better idea of how he wants to be structured and this is how we set up. So I think we'll probably stick with it for the time being. We'll probably recruit to the three, but then with in mind the versatility of the personnel we'll need. If we need to switch, we can go back to the four. And even then if we might go to four four two, you know, it's, there's plenty of options in this squad just to keep mixing it up and hopefully enough to keep us up.
0: yeah let's hope so Um, Chris asks are we going to continue playing three at the back Um, I think we both think we will do Um, Danny Field asks do we expect to see Good or Mads in a back three Um, Tom Rince asks is Roslev ready for the Prem I'd be comfy with him as a right wing back but not if we went to a back four Um, NDR asks is Pontus mobile enough for the right centre back in a three so we'll, we'll call that RCB three um, he's answered his own question and said no is playing Norgard in the back three a waste he's answered this one probably and <laughs> will we lose something going forward if we play Henry left wing back instead of Canos? and I'll oh. answer that one and say probably as well um, <laughs> a lot to yeah, so there's loads to unpack there and I think um, we will do as we're going through this but if you if you look at them I think the main concerns that are coming up there uh, only really one of them's I mean I haven't chucked all of them in but a lot of them are if you think Roslev, Goud, um and Pontus as well. There's a bit more of a a bit more of a sway to that right hand side. I mean there's a question about Mads, but Mads is obviously a backup player, we know what he is. But I think there's more questions on this right hand side and then as if we move into like areas where resources are needed and like squad assessment, um if the Premier League was to start tomorrow, um you're looking at our squad and you probably need to decide on a senior goalkeeper back up um, right back is we we haven't got a senior right back um, right center back is obviously pontus is he if is he going to end the season um is he going to start the season you just you're not sure um, and that's just from a defensive perspective i won't go into the attackers but um left back and the left side of things looks a little bit more settled if we think about um, we've obviously got Pinnock there Like he's going to be a monster in the Premier League um, we've got Rico Henry outside him um, Dom Thompson's just come back from low and whether he continues on with us or whether he moves on it's a different story but um, we've also got Mads Beck Sorensen I know we differ a little bit about Mads in our opinions but I think that also again there's a ready-made deep sitting defender there who just loves getting his head on stuff and loves defending and is improving on the ball so that left side looks a little bit more settled to me, it's it's the right side that needs urgent attention, um, and that's why we're we're focusing on that today. So, um, yeah, do you, what do you think, Jake? Do you agree? Yeah, for the most
1: part, Mads I think is so just solid. Backup, you know, he played good good bits last year, and not a bad player to have him behind Pinnock. I know you've lost, watched a lot more of him for the under twenty ones and stuff. From that perspective, I, I do agree with that right side. Is Roglev Lev going to play thirty eight games the next season? And Excel, I, I, I'm not entirely sure. I think he's done a great job coming in, but you would love, hope the club would look in to bring a more senior member in, someone of of the profile 23 to 27, someone that's played got a few more minutes under their belt. And then, like we said, that versatility to drop from like if needed or... There's options there. I think the thing for me, and especially in our current system, switch we've seen over the top of Plonsus and the mobility issue. I know you've mentioned it against Bournemouth, they targeted that and got him sent off in the first leg, or in the, sorry, in the lead fixture of a bit of recklessness of pulling the man to the ground when he didn't need to the ball going over the top of him. I think he's great when they, his contact is first and he can defend what's in front of him and attack the ball, but when it's, he's on the turn, does he have the mobility necessarily to Deal with that, and once you're looking at strikers that are stronger and quicker than him, we're going to have a few issues next season potentially. I think you have to give him the season and start. Like obviously, you, we've mentioned our defence is much improved to where it was. Yeah, yeah. And we had the second or, or so best defensive record in the league. So you've got to give a bit of leeway anyway there and go. You know, he deserves a chance, but. Again, it's about having options and mm. depth and quality. And as much as I think Guz has had a tough year this year and we've not seen as much of him, is he a Premier League player? Not necessarily. I don't think there's enough. I think he was a very, very good League 2 player. He did very well for Northampton in their system. I think he probably could have done a good job in the Championship with backup, but then you've got Janssen in front of him. And Guz was injured or wasn't in the squad for a lot of the season. So I think that right side, Dink Reinforcements, you've got Roslev, Janssen and Gu. I'd like to see probably one or two maybe coming on that side, just that are younger, younger than Janssen, older than Roslev. And that great just to give a bit of quality and depth and just see what happens. Because obviously Janssen is going to start phasing out and as he hits his 30s, 31, 32. Roswell's obviously the future at some point in their eyes. Pinnock's only 25-26, so he's fine for the time being. I think it's about just fathening the next, and you take it up a notch. You, the quality goes up now a bit, and we'll see how it goes. I'm not entirely sure where we'll go down that avenue. I think we'll, I think we'll trust Rosler Again, we've got that. We need to. We trust these players. They've got us there, and we think on paper there's a good enough squad to compete. You think, with, with X, in terms of XG, like we were so unfortunate last year not to go up second, and we were second on paper, best side in the league this season. Again, we were the second or first best side in the league. We just limped. We fell out fell at the last hurdle. So, I think, yeah, some reinforcements to take us up a notch, and we'll see where we go. I'm. I think if you're looking at a profile and in terms of things, I think you're looking at. They need to be at least six foot to deal with the aerial presence. I think we're looking for someone that's good in possession, who wants to play forward, progress enough play, break the lines and travel up a bit. I think it always reminds me of Tarkovsky. He was brilliant at that. He would just go. like He would dribble 23 yards with the ball and you'd think, oh, bloody hell, that's our centre-half. I think you're looking for a bit of pace and a bit more mobility, quick feet. So if they get the switch of plays or the ball over the top, Someone that's better than Jansen at that, and then someone strong with set pieces. Pinnock is such a threat, but he carries such a load on him that he d- deals with most of that. So you're probably looking for someone from a threat from set plays, maybe a long throw on him, a bit like Goop does at the moment, you know. And then that, and then the icing on the cake really is that flexibility mm. of right back, right centre back, centre half if you need it maybe step in the in to right right back or right wing back even if they are needed.
0: Yeah, it's a big list there. I think you just going through those kinds of things you're thinking like there's loads of non-negotiables for like replacing Dalsgard. He's an important player and does a lot of things, but that kind of criteria like you're you're thinking like what's that going to cost me? That's not <laughs> to get that back. <laughs> that it's not it's a lot of money. Like there are some good qualities there. Um I liked what you said about bridging the gap between Roselev and um like that gap with that sort of age gap you've got obviously Dalsgard who is like early 30s um Roselevs like 21 there's a big gap there of around that 24 25 26 mark and i hope that some of the players that we've um dug up kind of fill that um uh, we, we've built that into some of our ideas and our searches when we're looking at these players um, but yeah bridging that gap is really important I think we're looking now for someone who's going to just move into his peak like he's almost there but just needs a couple more seasons or, or really is ready to to expand um, so yeah hopefully that's represented in some of the names we put forward um, but yeah this is it so how do you solve the problem with Guard leaving you've said loads of the stuff there well, he gives you so much um, what we're going to do now is just move into um, just some of these players that we've um, we've dug out Um combination of looking at the data looking at looking at video and um and and things we like about them things that stand out where they rank against other players and a lot of this GBE stuff that um you mentioned out front jake like it's really hard to find players that but basically i I like looking at Scandinavians and every time I put one forward um they didn't qualify and that's the sort of thing where Brentford would have had an edge before they'd have trusted the Scandinavian market they'd have known that these players maybe they actually are better than some of these other teams think that could have been a good pipeline to bring in but it might not be there I know there's been there's there's movements in these things daily um, it sounds like there's been a bit of a um, a mess up with the Scandinavian market anyway in the point system because there's been a bit of a change really in the last like sort of um, last 48 hours or 72 hours in, in their marking so that's been upgraded but it's only just has been recently so what other errors are there in this so it's, it's a revolving thing um, there's a Euros around the corner we're in the midst of um, Euros fever um, so lots can change um, so I think you've got to look at your players you've got to probably filter them out immediately and whether they qualify for you or not and then view it at now you can't be thinking about the future too much you have to think about what what can I do now with these with my restrictions and my and the legislations that are placed upon um, placed upon the plans so yeah, I reckon we um we get into it. I th- I think one other thing as well about the right-hand side just to finish off um probably because he's been completely forgotten about. Jean-Vier has come back from his loan, hasn't he? Like he's another player. I don't think he's anywhere near the quality we need, but that's another right-sided player that you never know it could plug a gap there and it's it's just that right side doesn't feel like the issue. Um sorry, it it feels like more of the more of an issue in terms of Jean-Vier not being good enough like that's not a player we want to be playing there if we can help it
1: no but you know there's been stranger redemption arcs and he yeah. comes in and... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and to be fair you look at the criteria he's over six foot he's right footed he can play on the right side if we need to you know <laughs> is there an <laughs> argument to make it the... Jean Vier starts next season
0: yeah that would be a hell of a turnaround for him I think um, I don't think he was uh, shipped out on loan because uh on good behaviour, I think it was bad <laughs> playing and bad behaviour. But who knows? Who knows what goes on off the field? Um. So yeah, as let's let's move into it then. I guess so. So how did Brentford like to recruit for the first team? I think if we look at the evidence previously, um, a strong Danish and Scandinavian influence. Like fifty percent of the squad against Swansea in the final is Scandinavian. Um, the age profile is around that that twenty four, twenty five mark, just below. Good resale value. Um you want players that are on the up, you don't want many that have peaked and if they have peaked it just needs to be one or two additions just to lift the rest of the team um, just just an awareness of knowing which players will improve with you Like you, it's, all, it's all very well just getting someone who's towards the end of their improvement but if that's the right enough improvement you need to get you to the next level then that's fine but are they going to take too long to develop it's, it's a very fine art and it's, it, it can go wrong and um, we've not been perfect at it but I think we've had more wins than not and I think we've also avoided the loan system as well. It's it's controversial the loan market. I think Swansea are a perfect example of why loans are. I I, I don't like what they've done over the last few years. I, I look at them now and I think um, alarm bells are ringing for me at that club. I I, I think they've invested too much on loans. I think um, they've the parachutes have run out now. Um, not really many saleable assets. I don't think anyone's banging the door down for their players. Um, it's it's kind of come to a head, and I think a more robust trading system. I mean, they've sold, they've sold well, let's not get this wrong, but, but I think just a greater investment is maybe some of their own players or whatever, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, so yeah. The thing with the loan market,
1: though, it cuts the risk as well. If you look at a team like Fulham that have gone up, they'd already spent a hundred million the first time they got there. Mm. Trying to protect themselves a bit in the event. If they stay up, great. You get another load of money. You can buy them outright. They're your assets. Or you go down into spectacular fashion off the back of Scott Parker Seems to be better at mimicking the streets at the moment than than staying in the prem. But that's the thing is, it's that balance, and I think we might tap into it just to cover ourselves in the event we do go down. You've got them for a year, and you're mm. protected by not having a twenty million pound player, for instance, on your books that doesn't yeah. want to be there, and that you then have to sell because then everyone comes flying in because they're all cut cut price now and. Mm. I think we're smarter than that, and I think we might cop with Fulham in a few aspects and bring one or two maybe plans that could then potentially be assets that we buy for 15, mm. 20, 30 million down the line. It's like DK was a prime example of that. If Barnsley have gone up, I can 100% have seen them triggering that option because mm. they know the money's there, and they know they've got more security behind them. Obviously, it didn't go that way, and it's a bit more tricky, but Maybe one or two of these players, especially one we'll bring up in a minute, I think maybe not a view to buy him permanently at the moment, mm. but just protect ourselves, especially... And Benham's shown time and time again to future-proof and make sure this club is self-sustainable and not as reliant on him. And with the hopefully the Premier League money now and a bit more, the model goes again and we take another gear up and see how it goes.
0: Just stepping back a little bit, I, I guess Brentford are very much about like learning... Um... Testing, learning, getting results, and like trusting what they know. And the Danish and the Scandinavian market has been very successful over the years. Um, I get if we asked why is it successful? Um, it's similar climates. I mean, you're talking about like very sort of well-behaved people. Like then, then they, they sort of adopt into London and the living style here quite easily. Um, the footballs a similar style. They speak English well. It's picked up easily and um, I think that pipeline of quality into the championship and that those lower leagues has been great like they're they're definitely good enough for those levels very quickly um but we're not we're not down there anymore um (laughs) there aren't many successful Scandinavians that go straight to the Premier League I mean I did a little bit of research over those there's there's almost none that have gone into like Premier League first teams it just doesn't happen it's it's just not not a thing we see and we might in the future but currently it's just not happening them The only players I've seen went through to under-23 teams, um, uh, Ibsen and uh, Koulibaly, and not that one, but they they went to (laughs) Sheffield United and um, immediately loaned out to a Belgian team, and then West Ham's under-23s, and a bit of game time for Ibsen against Man United, Brighton, and some Danish under-21 matches, but not really much last season, and nowhere near the first team. So that's the kind of moves we're seeing. I mean, he's still a young player, but... There's no one banging down that first team door, so it's really interesting. I think um, we we have Scandinavians on our list that we've gone through, and I think it would be silly not to because they are that. That's what Brentford know; like they know that market well, and um, yeah, we'll we'll start dipping into them. Um, should we open up with our first player then, Jake?
1: Yeah, just a quick note on that. I was going to say, GB, because you mentioned the GBE boundaries changing, yeah. they finally seem to have recognised um, Scandinavia. I think Andy Watson did a great Twitter thread and he's done brilliant work to explain the GBE system. Yeah. Um, so if you go check him out on Twitter and have a look at his stuff, he explains it really black and white and makes it really easy to follow what's needed. So I definitely have a look at that, but they finally seem to have recognized that Denmark and Sweden have been popped up into band four, which puts them on par with the Czech first division, uh, the Bundesliga. To the second division in France and a few others from memory, but again, go check his stuff out and he breaks it down nicely. They've also introduced Norway, which is quite nice. I think there's a lot of talent out in the Norwegian Premier Divisions, but unfortunately, it's not been accessible for the time being. I finally seem to recognise that it's it's pretty good quality and they're seeing a good improvement there. Yeah. So they've been put to band five again, not really massively unless they're playing in the Champions League or exceptional youth caps or exceptional number of minutes for their national side they are very very unlikely to qualify but there might be a few gems in there i've had a look and i'm sure brentford if they do want to go for that scandinavian market again because they trust it and they, they've bought from there regularly they might dip that dip their toe in there's a few that have come available now because of the reshuffle of bands
0: well yeah let's um yeah let's give um pay homage to Andy Watson's sport yeah does some great start uh, great stuff and um, let's start off with our first player so uh, I'll open this one and um, the first one we've picked out is uh, Rasmus Christensen um, he's a right back um, an attacking right back he plays for RB Salzburg in Austria um, He's a big boy. It's like six foot two, good physicality. He's 23. He's soon to be 24. i um, not, not long now, probably by the time most people listen to this, he will be 24, but he's soon to be 24. <laughs> um, yeah. He's uh, in the Red Bull network uh, for the Austrian champions. Um, what we're going to do with these players, we'll just go through some positives, like things that have stayed, that stood out for us. Um, we've done a bit of data scouting on them and they're, they're, are kind of outliers. There's something that's, that's drawn our attention to them. Um, uh but just um a few more on him quickly from the positive side of things. So uh, yeah, he's he's won the League at a canter. He's playing in a really strong team, um, almost never present in that team. Um uh yeah, good modern day fullback. So we see him getting upfield, we see him defending, um, complements defensive stuff well with that attacking bits. Um uh, I, I like the way when he in- intercepts play um, his next movement is to just move forward really quickly either by driving forward or passing um, good first time delivery out wide I think that's a key thing we're looking for as well with our full backs we want them to be able to connect with the ball whilst it's moving or when it's just placed there we don't want them to take many touches to get it under control just get it into the box or, or, or run onto something um, he makes some good advanced and final third passes um, good volume of passes into the final third uh, uh, nice um nice actually agility on him actually for for such a big guy and he he's physical like he's very broad-shouldered um looks he looks strong he's aggressive but he, he's not sort of bulky with that i that's what i think a good thing to look out for with these players is he still looks youthful and um not sort of moving in these stiff straight lines there's a there's agility to him um and other things that stand out as well to me early on without delving more into the data just yet but I think um, he's played in some huge matches and he's come out on the wrong side of these. I think you, when you're talking about who they're playing, like he's got experience of playing Bayern Munich a couple of times in the Champions League. Um, he's had Kingsley Coman terrorising him as a winger and um, done very well 1v1 against one of the best wide forwards in the world. Um, uh, I think he got caught out a couple of times in um, one of the Munich matches, but I, th- I, I don't think that's um, anything to, to beat him at. Um, Played in uh, Atletico Madrid and come out narrow losers in those two matches. But good, solid performances in those games. Um, and then back another year, that was last Champions League, but the Champions League before, we saw, we've saw we seen him lose a close game to Liverpool, like um, a tight game there, 4-3, which could have gone either way. Um, and then a 2-0 demolition of Genk as well, which are another strong European team. And then some narrow defeats to, a narrow defeat and a draw to Napoli. So we're looking at a player here who's got, He's starting to really make a name on the, on the um, Champions League side of things as well, so with all the attributes in terms of his league stuff being an outlier and him looking looking positive.
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
0: and um all of the sort of modern things we wanted from a fullback he's he's started actually to get a good body of work in terms of playing elite matches and actually experience of playing one of the top english teams so to sum up i think in in the positive side of things we're looking at a good athlete here really really exceptional athlete um can play on the the wrong side so when the balls on the far side he's he's not just not detached he knows how to make late runs in um Great physically imposing and um he looks like he's ready to step up again. So yeah, plenty to be positive about for um, um Jake, Um Jay, do you have anything to add?
1: I'll just go on it with I think like you said, we uh, such a big man, the quick feet and the good load of mobility, he's a good age, he's not quite popped out. But as as ever, there is obviously negatives, he's not next <laughs> messy, unfortunately. I mean the the issue is you look at that Salzburg team. They are absolutely dominant. They are the biggest and best team by a mile yeah. in that division. They've come, there's been a few close runnings with them, with LSK, and then obviously dropped off because they got a ban training during COVID. And But the thing is, it's just how well does he adapt? So then when you bring him to a Brentford side, but we're not going to make it, we're not going to lie about it. We're going to struggle next season, and we're no longer going to be dominating games. Mm. How does he adapt to that and the pressures on? You could argue that with the Champions League games, but again, cup football's very, very there's a lot of luck involved in cup football and we've seen random events and he's not a perfect judge of a player. And that ties into the bigger point is that he's already in the Red Bull network. And how likely it is they let someone out of the network. Hallam was the first big example of a player moving out of that system to go to as that wasn't Leipzig, which was a massive shock at the time. I think you've seen Heng He Chan go from there. You've seen Wolf, Hans Wolf go from there. Adara, who's gone from their second Austrian side, Salzburg, up to Leipzig. Is he going to fall out of the network? And are they just going to pay, and let him go? I was surprised when someone like Bidstruck came from Leipzig because it's not likely they let their talent go. But then you look at someone like Yanat was also let go by the Leipzig network after setting fire to a hotel bedroom and having a few attitude issues by all account, and look how that turned out. So we haven't done that much digging, every on him to see if he's burnt any uh, hotel down. So
0: Burnt any bridges?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> I think mean, tactically I had a few, few qualms about him. He's not quite that mould of player we were looking for that can play at centre-back. We've mm-hmm. kind of looked at his physicals, and we've not seen him tested out that centre-half position is he a proactive defender is he going to sit off is he going to press the ball when we need him to so is he just a tall fullback as we're seeing more fullbacks are getting taller stronger faster more athletic and then you talk about the price and transfer market having valued between seven to ten million I can't remember off the top of my head but are we going to pay that for a right back obviously that would be a record fee for Brentford if we were to bring him in at that sort of price do we have that sort of money to be spending on that sort of player? And would Benham rather buy someone that's quote-unquote more undervalued? Not entirely sure. I think he's, there's a lot of positives here. I think he's a good player in all thirds of the pitch. He's a solid defender. But he's not been tested enough at right centre-half for me to go, yes, he can play that versatile role. And I'm not entirely sure how he comes into a side that's no longer going to be so dominant in that's where the issue comes in. You can't judge a book, unfortunately, until he's been tested. And it'd be nice to see him at international, maybe. See him stress-tested in that Austrian side, but I don't know if he has particularly many caps at the moment or if he's playing regularly. So he's one to keep an eye on, but I'm not entirely convinced he's one for us at the moment, like, based on the current climate.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I like to. I, I wanted to open up with Scandinavians, and um, he's one of my likes, um, but... <laughs> um there's always negatives with these players like you you're not getting the perfect player are you i think um you said it the the being already in the rb network is an issue in itself this is just a massive organisation of profiteering from player sales um mm-hmm. they're not going to let if brentford come knocking on the door saying by the way we think you've got the data tells us we've got you you've got a good player this is his value they're just going to laugh because they already know what they think he's worth on the open market they already have analysts <laughs> telling them these things so we're no longer this kind of smart guy in the room now we've got other smart people in the room as well so it's it's also difficult in that sense I think tactically you're right there's um there's a few things we'd you, you'd probably want to see in a different area so playing for the best team in the league I think this is a bit of an issue isn't it moving from league to league if you if you play for the most dominant team in the league best in possession, um, you're the highest pressers. What happens if you move into a team that actually is not the best in possession and is one of the lowest pressers? Because Brentford aren't going to be the top they're not going to be in the top five or six pressers in the league, I'd have thought, in Premier in the Premier League. They're probably going to be around mid table. So how does he how does he cope with being pressed the most? This is those are the kind of questions we're asking. Um he's been flagged up because he looks quite good and there's a there's a few sort of signals that this Could be a player that's ready to step up, but there are certainly negatives, and I think we've touched on them there. Um, but definitely one to keep an eye on if, um, if, if something gets announced recently or soon and um, he goes to another club. Um, definitely one to watch. I think he's a player with a big future, and it's definitely going to be bigger than the Austrian league, that's for sure. Hmm.
1: Um, well, just having a look through his history, he has been in the with Mittyland, and then he moved to Ajax for quite a high fee at the time in 1718. Yeah, so he's known to Benham already through the Midland yeah. network. So, like we mentioned with the Night no- Leipzig and Red Bull, he's already known to Benham because he was there and when they won the league for the first time, mm. and he went for quite a high fee at the time. So, there's potentially a link there. And as you'll see, a theme is when we go through this, there's, there's a lot <laughs> of Danes, and <laughs> there's a reason for that <laughs> because we know much about them. And you look at someone like Norgard and Jensen, both went into Europe first before we picked up on them. They dominated the, their respective Danish in their respective Danish clubs and then went into Europe and not quite at the success levels we hoped, or they hoped, so. And then we pick up on them. So maybe it's a case of he goes into Europe and then it's further down the line he becomes available again. And But he is known to the club. I'm sure Benham is perfectly aware who he is and mo- most people in the club will know and especially that he's been in our network before in that. So it would be interesting. I'm not entirely convinced, but again, see what the club thinks. And I'm sure there are a lot of smarter people in that recruitment team that will have lists upon lists of players. This is just a snapshot at the end of the day. And what we've had a bit of little look in the data now <laughs> putting some players together.
0: We'll see. Like We we never know. These might be like big signals on another list somewhere else, which... um. We're, we'd be very pleased about but um, we'll see we'll see um, do you want to introduce the next one Jay?
1: I will because this is the one that I'm more excited for and I think will definitely be an upgrade on the position and that is Daniel Munez currently a Colombian right back and centre back currently playing for Genk in the Belgian League he's 6 foot 25 years old currently is decent with his athleticism is probably the biggest attribute here the versatility, he's played equal 90s at right-back and right-centre half, at that right-centre, or that right-centre-back three what we've discussed. I think he covers all the modern-day aspects of that centre-back that we, or the right-back, sorry, we spoke about. The athleticism, his good range on the overlap, his deliveries were really good first time. He drops into that pocket of the half space that we mentioned where we like guard going into. But he's also tucks up and tacks up and plays as the centre back occasionally. I think he's a very proactive centre half. I quite liked him stepping up and being aggressive and trying to stop the play. He's got the pace as well in behind and that's the thing where we said there was that issue with potentially Jansen getting targeted. And that ball over his shoulder or ball when it's not in front of him, he struggles in behind. So having someone his pace and athleticism to be able to mop, I think would be an asset and I'm really hot on him. I know you've watched a bit more video than me on him, but his data profile for me was incredible. I think he's playing, he's not playing in the best side by a mile. The Belgian league's very tight at that top end, and there's some good quality teams in there. We got Anderlecht to throw into that. Usterson, who come out of nowhere this season and done much better, and that top five has been a a good, competitive mix. So, for me, I really liked him, and he had all the qualities that I would be looking back for. Is that a wing
0: back, full back, and then right centre back if we needed it? Yeah, yeah, well put. Yeah. I, I have watched quite a bit of him now. Um uh don't tell my boss, um, but <laughs> um I found time to watch a lot of him and I I really like him. Um, yeah, you said loads of it there. He's a, he's an aggressive guy. He's um he's focused, he's quick, um good pace as well like surprisingly good pace he's a little bit lighter in frame than um than uh christiansen the one we talked about previously christiansen is a bulky guy there's a lot to him munoz is a little bit slender a little in a way a little bit more, more reminding of dalsgaard's physique um very similar in sort of frame to him like light like quite but not not sort of brushed off the ball sort of good upper body strength with it too too um yeah, he he comes narrow. Well, he's smart around the box in attacking phases. Um, he's he's capable of making really like high volume passes in a match. And I think that's what we want as well. We want a player. We don't want um, players that are sort of um, sort of stodgy centre backs just chucked out to the right because we we're better than that. We've got players that can that can move the ball. We we need that next level now, and he looks like he can do that under pressure. As you were saying, he's not playing for the best team by a mile. Um, he's playing from more of a just sort of tucked in underneath that top tier or very close to. Um, I watched him in a, what, what I like to do with these players as well is watch them in their hardest games. So I think it's it's good to watch them against uh maybe derbies or, or in um against the best teams in the league or the other strongest teams. And then I think you get an idea of what they're doing maybe on the back foot more. You see them when they're not so dominant against um, a team that they're just gonna they're going to route four nil because I think you can cheat in those games. So he he looks like a very intelligent player, very flexible at that backside. And he can, he can, I think what we're looking for, really, we want a right back in that Dalsgold mold. Who's going to be happy to just step in. It could be that RCB three position and even offer a bit more as a center back as well. Like recovering so many bases there. And I think it was a really good find, um, Daniel Munoz. Um, uh, Something else, um, just, just another note I took out. I think it was an Antwerp match in a big four, two win. Like, seeing him get a couple of assists in that I, I, something that i we look out for now i think crossing is really important i think it's a huge part of the game but there's just so many different types of crosses like you can have these wide loopy ones from out wide and they they're almost useless there's no value to those at all um some players there's a there's a time and a place to play them and there's um, sometimes you just need to get it in there or just on a quick attack, it's fine. I remember Watkins scoring a lovely diving header from a Rico Henry volleyed cross first time <laughs> last season and get that ball in quickly. But when the box is packed and you, there's there's time and a place for it, basically, the phase allows it. But Munoz is very good at that low-driven cutback pass from the half-spaces back across to the penalty spot. He, he's good at that. You can see it immediately just watching some of his clips um, and picking up a couple of assists against Antwerp in a big... win against one of the better teams in the league is um is another standout um like all of these guys though there are some negatives um i think now that the um the sort of the european lower league route is cut down we're we're looking to south america aren't we i think that's opened up a little bit but i i you have to ask is there much of a trodden path for colombian footballers (laughs) down to TW4 or those regions around there it's um, what do you think about that Jake
1: yeah trying to sell that one but then you look we managed to convince Kanos to come we managed to convince Ben Rama Malpai even Gogia Persh Bama the initial ones that first came through the door we have a project here and I think London's an appealable place for a lot of players it's the centre of the country for the most part it's part of everything there's good connections to most places I mean, most people. It's a city that's busy, but there's also areas to connect. Know that we traditionally don't have many Colombian wonder kids or come through the the gates, but then you want to put. They want to play in the best league in the world, and for everything the Premier League's flaws it has and the, the money grabs we've seen previously, the Premier League is one of the biggest products and one of the best leagues in the world for that. So you want to get these players in, and it's a sub, But then again, we've done it before. We've got these players in. Not entirely sure <laughs> it's <laughs> the, the typical route, and especially when you go from centre London to West London and then Brentford. It's in, <laughs> it's not London, London. But then again, we've seen plenty of players adapt and want to come. So I I, I think there's a precedent that can be set and you know how about we be the trendsetter here and (laughs) go along
0: yeah i think that's important isn't it i think like i raise the point is there a trodden path but that doesn't mean there can't be one created or it's not going to happen it 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 almost like takes uh, the the trendsetter to to take that leap of faith and um, give someone a chance i think um, we're seeing we've seen flexibility in recruitment from all um, regions I think Brighton are very aggressive where they market and go mm-hmm. for and um, they're convincing them to go to Brighton I mean a lot, they have got a big loan network where players go straight out but um, we're talking about London here Brighton doesn't have anything in a, in a desirability factor compared to London they have some good facilities but we should be able to compete with that now a new stadium training grounds looking to be improved so we're on the up as well so yeah it's um, let's never say never about these colombians and maybe um maybe west london becomes not just um <laughs> the uh, south american
1: just... capital of the world what <laughs> exactly you mentioned with the brazilian market open up get yeah. ourselves a few wonder kids in you know next name <laughs> up that's good fun
0: okay so the next one i'll um i'll introduce him in and i'll let you go on this one jake um christopher ajar he's the next name on our list um he's at celtic i I'll let you. Um, I'll let you go on this one.
1: Well, basically, the modern foot, the modern centre back. I, I like to describe it as a Rolls Royce. Rolls Royce centre half. He's everything you want in the modern centre. He's strong in the air. He's good with his feet. He's mobile. He's quick. It he covers ground well. He's a brilliant age at twenty three. He's six foot five. Again, the question marks we've already mentioned about Celtic dominate that league or have done for many a season until Gerard turns up. But honestly, he is everything I want in a centre-half, especially in that team. I know he's played on the left side at Celtic for most of the season, but he's a right-footer by nature. The only reason we bring it up, and again, probably beyond the realms of our current possibilities and where we are currently, and that jump do you go from Celtic dominating the league to Brentford, will probably be bottom half of the league if we're successful. Is is that he was speaking in an interview with Norwegian press about he's only got a year left. It might be time to move on from Celtic. It might be time. And then I saw Newcastle were thrown around in terms of names. And I'd like to think we could compete. We've got a project that we've got. We've got proof of our talent going all the way through from starting at the club to now playing for their country and at the highest levels possible. And I'd like to think we could attract this type of player nowadays. Again, fifteen, twenty million pound player. Maybe not so, and he's one that if we'd maybe been in the Premier League two, three seasons, then he might be one to go for it. But look, he is the perfect centre half in my eyes. He's very much in the Ben White mould of modern centre back that can't do everything. He's great with the feet, his switches a player are brilliant. His ball playing is beyond brilliant and he's really crisp with his passing. It's sharp, it's not sloppy, it's not just into space. It's picking a man out. I think he likes to step up and move into that midfield and play. As a ball player and link up, he, there's a lot to like with him. And the, again, you can raise the question marks though about stepping in and is he going? How's he cope when he's challenged a lot more defensively, especially in that setup? And I know a lot. Some Celtic fans have been quite concerned with a bit sometimes his one v one and how he copes and is he quite good enough when he's being put the pressure upon him and he has to beat a man first. So there's there's some elements there. I think he can come in and would be a definite upgrade on our entire thing. I think he fits the mold perfectly, and we could go we could go on for a while about him because I think again he fits that right centre back mold perfectly. He's not quite got he's not got the versatility though. He can play across the back three, but not in the wide areas. But he's got for me the passing. He's got the technical, the cool, the physicals. And he meets all them criterias, and he's Scandinavian, so we get another one on the list, and hopefully we can bring that in.
0: (laughs) A big check for the Scandinavian. Maybe we should have a buzzer every time that we mention that. But um, (laughs) yeah, he's a he's a good player. I think things that stand out is like his press resistance is he he can hold off players um, on the ball. He's strong as anything. I mean, he's. He's very wiry. Like I think you, you think the ball's gone from him, but then all of a sudden he's snatched back at it. And I think Pinnock has that. Um, you think he's beaten, but then there's another stride and another leg comes out from somewhere, and the ball's back under his control when you think he, he shouldn't be. The odds look out of his favour, and he brings him back back into position. Um, good balance. I mean, you you don't know what footed he is. He can move off either side. Doesn't look to be squared up easily. Um, and yeah, you mentioned it out front and in our in our notes here. This this monster height, he's absolutely huge. Like he, he's formidable size wise. And I, I can imagine him lining up against Pinnock. I think i I think if we were going down the um four three three route, I mean that would be the sort of player you want there at the back. I think he could do well if we were deep, but then I think he could just break us out as well actually if it was just getting a bit too you know, get getting a bit too tense and deep out there. But yeah, lo- lovely balance. Um, really good on the ball. Um, good in possession, strong and tackling. Um, yeah, just a, just a very good player. And you were right. To, you were right to to bring him to this list because he probably looks like he is a bit too good for the Scottish League. And that this is this is stuff that's probably moving into our negative list now. Because w- what sort of level is he playing at there, week in week out? And is is that a test really? And does he look this good because? Um, he's up there in Scotland where we know it's, it's moving into a sort of three and four, but it's really those top two teams that have just the monopoly and strength and and Rangers have gone a bit wild this year at another level altogether when they're starting to look at more underlying metrics and how to just control games that it's, it's not really the best measure of players, but this is someone that stands out and jumps off the page and uh, really worth having a look at if you can do, but yeah, Christopher Ajar. Um, great stuff great find okay uh let's move on to our next jake um so the next player is it's a little bit different to the ones we probably raised um previously um he's is scandinavian again but also (laughs) a little bit different this one in that he's actually owned by a top five club and he has had a season in the premier league it's um one that would probably be known to a few people who watch football outside of the championship it's Joachim Andersen. Um he's had a season long loan at Fulham from Lyon um, another big player 6 foot 4 um, it's difficult with Joachim Anderson because uh, he, again he's Danish I think he'll be well known to Thomas Frank and some of the others but he's already had a big move so initially the price might just be way out of anything that brentford are looking at here but as we were speaking at the outset this loan idea that um would leon be willing to look at him to go out again on loan and get another year's premier league experience uh, is he part of their longer term plans we're not sure but just looking at him as a player because he he has been in a really bad team and he stood out in that team um just in this incredible size really big broad shoulders really difficult to pass but he makes Pogba look small in times in terms of frame um and again like he he doesn't look bulky with this I think that's a key thing to look with these big players uh just look bulky with their size and it it never it never really fits them I think Mads Sorensen was guilty of that a few years ago he was way didn't really grow into it his physicality wasn't there and he was just carrying so much so much weight and couldn't move quickly enough with it but you see him moving away from that now um Joaquim Anderson looks like he's he can control his body. I think he he defends well as a as a deeper block. Um, closes in around the ball well. He uses upper body strength well. Um, if he gets dragged out wide, it's really difficult to pass him because of just how big he is to get past. Um, likes to meet the crosses coming in. Um, uh, and and he, I think another really interesting part is he's played in a system that hasn't been ultra defensive. I think he's been good on the ball. They're they're an attacking team for them. They've they've not really defended well as a unit, um but he has been he has been part of that unit and I think he's come out of it a little bit unlucky if I'm honest. I think um he's done well there. But yeah, all of the things we're looking for in a centre back I think are quite promising with him. Um just unfortunate I think some of the forwards and some of the pressure up in the field isn't quite what it should be. But I th- I think he'd fit in with Brentford's style and demands from a centre back. Um just defends aerials well, good high volume passer um happy to step out in the midfield could play in the center of a three as well which is quite interesting i think um from maybe some of us from a tactical perspective um okay recovery speed i think um that could be that could be better but for such a big guy you don't really want to getting caught up out of position that much and um yeah just just gonna spread play well and also dangerous from both set like set pieces defensively and attacking wise um yeah, anything, what what else have you sort of come up against, Jake, when you've seen him or, or picked out or find interesting? I think
1: for me, the big positives are that he knows London, he's been in West London before, He spent a season there and that experience of playing week on, week out in the Premier League, it's something that it would be a good good addiction from a psychological perspective for the team. The issue I have with him is longer age passing, he's a bit sloppy and a bit, bit mm-hmm. naggy at times and not quite as accurate as we'd, I'd hope for a longer range, especially because our centre-backs do like that switch of play out and we provide the width and stuff. So that mate is a bit of a concern. Yes, he's a good volume passer, but I think he is a bit safe too much. I'd like him to try and break a line or two and be a bit more progressive in his play. I think airily is absolutely fine in hopes, but then you look at that Fulham side, they weren't defensively great. It was Yes, their attack gets a lot of negativity because they scored a record low number of goals up over the season. I think it was nine in total. In, so they have not being as good at home. But yeah, I think he's he's one of those that fall into that bracket of I don't think we'd play out right for. It's a case of you loan him and then you have a season. When is he a bit too old? I know we mentioned with Munoz, who's 25. But again, this is a player that's 25 probably 26 and at some point in the next year. That's 26, 27. How many years of his peak do you have? And is it a player that then's going to drop off and you lose the value? And is it worth spending that 15, 20 million pounds on a player that you're probably not going to recoup that fee with? I think he needs to be better. From a technical side, like we mentioned, with a long-range passing. I think his under-pressure passing pass hours is difficult and the time you have on the ball in the Premier League is a lot less. No. Compared to a championship level, and necessarily, we've seen instances there is been where he struggles with the ball at his feet and the pressure. And you look at the teams in the Premier League outside of probably Burnley and Tottenham, not all of them teams played at pressing style. And is he necessarily going to cope when he hasn't already this season? So, there's question marks, but I think he falls into that bracket of a potential loan option because I don't think he's someone that we would want to buy outright at the moment. He doesn't, unlike Munez, he doesn't quite have the versatility element but where he doesn't play the roles we want, he is out and out centre half. I and mean, he would play in the three across that not. Whereas a bit like Niger oh A yeah, sorry and Munez and there's more to them, Christians and they can play both. So yeah, one of those things a bit more on the fence. Of, I think he probably just fits the loan system at the moment.
0: Yeah, I think um, the word we're probably coming to is a bit more of a specialist, isn't he? Like he yeah. is, he is just your your right centre back specialist. You're not really looking at. And it doesn't really fit in with what we've probably been looking at recruitment-wise and brought in in the past. We're looking at players that can play multiple roles. We're looking at players that can fill other gaps in the squad if they're not. And that's that's how we've approached the game, I think. Um, but I, I also think that helps with a transitional game and uh, a rotational game. But it also... It also doesn't sort of put you down too far of a hole with a player. So, for instance, if he can only play that position, then what 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 else is he doing? If if there is a gap that needs to be filled, are we going to have to play a left footer out on the right just because he can't play right centre back well? Um, just watching him a little bit, I think there's a few games where Fulham have, actually have played a back three, and he's been on the right side of that back three, and uh, they look quite deep. There's there's no there's no um, sort of Forward penetration with him bringing the ball upfield. He's he's very static and um, uh, and very solid and based in that positioning sat there, and it, it makes it makes it difficult to get out. Um, some of the stuff you were speaking about the long game as well definitely needs work. Um, I don't know how much that is to Fulham's runners as well. I don't know if it's really hard with this stuff, isn't it? Like a long ball numbers wise like a long ball can be made a good pass if um, you've got sort of Sadio Mane and uh, Mo Salah running on the end of it or if you've got um, maybe someone else who isn't actually as agile and making it a good ball so it's 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 hard to interpret that you need to watch these back just to make sure that the numbers actually make some sense but mm-hmm. for him I think he does need to work on that actually I I think he hits it probably unnecessarily at times or too far or just um, just needs to work on it yeah. just generally Um but yeah I think there 's a good player in there there 's not loads of weaknesses i think um I think the value of him is that he's he 's had a season in the Premier League now he 's learned from that that's there 's not many players that we can say that have that experience um, he 's played man united man City Chelsea every other week. Um, there's a good body of work there now isn't it and there's value there somewhere so it's whether you take the punt on maybe like a season long loan or something because the, this is what we're thinking about aren't we it's not so much that we're, we we don't think we we might not be in the Premier League for long so you, you can't make big outlays unless you're sure about these players and there's um, umming and ahhing in him but he's he's definitely interesting and one to one that's um, pricked our ears
1: Yeah no that's the thing is do we sacrifice like how do we set up do we set up with that solid free where you can have um, an Anderson or Jansen and then a pinner can play a solid back three and you let Roslev go and then you just give him the licence to roam, and then you bring Henry round on the cover to make a back four well, do you, that's the thing, is that argument is especially with the next couple of suggestions we go through is this more to a view of playing a solid three and then having wing-wing backs and then cannot have the freedom so he doesn't have as much defensive work that he has to get through so I think especially as we go through these next couple of players I think it's more of a case of these are probably more specialist centre half that don't play as much as a wing as or a right because we would normally.
0: Yeah, yeah, agree, agree. Um I'll introduce the next one and then I'll let you roll with it. Um Jack Hendry, uh mm-hmm. Do you wanna go? Sc-
1: Scottish centre half. The sons are just um Triggered his buy option for one and a half million, but the rumour, or what at least the press are saying, is that they're looking to sell on for a profit with teams like Villa, Leicester, circling around with him for a potential 10 to 15 million pound fee. I think the issue I have with him is technically with the ball, it is not the greatest. And that's the. It, uh, he's a great defender, and in front of him, defender, and we'll mention it with a couple of names on this list. They're great with the ball in front. And I think he, he gets up well. He's six foot four. He jumps well. He's good in the air. He's a physically imposing player. But he's not quite all there with the ball at his feet, and he is a bit clumsy and a bit loose and with his passing. And then you have the pressure element of the Premier League. I'm not entirely sure he's one that. Massively, so is going to succeed at that level because, again, the pressure he's under in the Belgian league is a lot less than it is in the Premier League. And I think he's slightly on the older side at 26. Again, he's not really an asset that you're looking to come in and improve to be good in a year or two. He's someone that comes in for a year or two and then either moves on for higher fee or runs his contract down. So... From a positive standpoint, I think he's an excellent in front defender. He's positive. He gets up well. He defends. He attack. He attack. defends what's in front well. He's aggressive, pushing forward. He gets up aerially very well. He's a good tackler. His body shape is nice, but ball playing is a question mark, and he's struggled in places this season. And a bit sloppy, a bit loose, a bit too conservative. And you want someone that's going to be slightly more positive on the ball. I know you've been, it's like Mad Beck, you've been massively good on him this season because he's developed, got used to stepping in, being more confident. It's not just left to right. So he might be an option. But again, if we're talking the sort of fees, 10 to 15 million pounds, he's probably beyond us. And at 26, are we really going to bring someone in that's probably a good player and would upgrade us, but not to the level that we think we probably could go to? Or some options on this list
0: yeah he's an interesting guy I think um, I think again his height probably helps him as a size like he stands out um, he needs work doesn't he like there there's still it still feels like there's a raw player in there and he is mid-twenties now that's the thing isn't it like um, someone's going to someone probably will take a punt on him and, and and push him on again but you're almost hoping that it happened maybe two years sooner Um and then you'd probably be more sure but uh, I know he played uh, for Scotland in the um, recent I think it was the friendly before the Euros um, I think it was a 2-2 draw with Netherlands and he actually scored um, he actually got on the end he did step yes. out of defence and um, get high up and win the ball back early and, and sort of like a double block tackle up the field and then just rifled one from the edge of the box so maybe he's listening to uh-huh. this in some parallel universe and um, just uh, developing an attacking game um but yeah, I, I think you you sort of said it right there. He's one that stands out a little bit. There's a few there's a few metrics that make him interesting, but is he of the quality to step into the Premier League? We're unsure, but still, yeah, a very interesting player. Um what we'll do is we'll we'll continue on with a theme a little bit now. So we've looked at some Scandinavians and some players that we think Brentford might purchase and bring in themselves, but there's a player that uh Kinda of divides opinion, I think. Um I, I think he's a good player. He's 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 um had a well, he's he's sort of had a baptism of fire in the in the Liverpool defence. And it's interesting to see what they'll do with him next year. But Nathaniel Phillips has cropped up a little bit. Um Jake, do you want to do you want to open up with him?
1: Yeah, no, it's an interesting player and um, you think he was probably fifth or sixth choice at Liverpool come the start of the season. And then you lose Van Dijk in the Teep, you lose Gomez. And you're now at your fourth. You've lost Lovren in the summer, so now Nathaniel Phillips become goes from sixth start to fourth, and he's now starting. I have a few qualms about him. I think his positional play is a bit poor in places. I think he struggles occasionally with the, the line. I think there was a really great quote he had to be fair that Klopp said about him. He said he's got the brain of a of a, like a, an elite centre half, but the the legs of a late two centre back. I don't <laughs> I think he's, he's the mental aspect is brilliant and he reads the game well but his legs aren't quite there. I think he's the physically he's probably one of the weaker of the lot. I'm not quite convinced that he's physically up to the challenge. Obviously he's in the Liverpool side that dominate the ball, but the, there's times where he's been ruthlessly exposed this year. I think mean, that big one at West Brom is he steps up about two, three yards higher than everyone else, and he's not communicated, communicated across the line. And I'm looking at that and thinking, that's a no-no as a centre-half. If you're going to step up and bring people with you, or if you're going to step up, you bring people with you. And it's been difficult. I think he struggled, but he's also been a he's been a very good option for Liverpool this year. He's covered a lot of. Are they going? To, and is he now going to be content to going back to to fifth centre-back choice, or even fourth centre-back choice? He's 24. He's he's not young by any means, he's not a young player but he's got very little experience under his belt he had a very very good season out at Stuttgart um, a season or two ago I think he's okay and much like we said with Jack Henry he's a very very good in front defender he'll head, he'll kick, he'll lump he's, decent. he's better than Henry technically in my view from watching him but he just struggles sometimes with his position or play and the tactical knowledge of right, do I now need to step up? Do I now need to drop? And, he's quite, and his feet are getting muddled up. He's not quite there. Again, though, a potential low notch someone that's got a wealth of Premier League experience under their belt. They've had a season with the champions of England, for goodness sake, mm. and well, the former champions of England, we should say, done a solid job. He's by no means terrible. He's been a very all right player. He, probably, he comes in, and, but then does he improve the back line? And would you rather him or Janssen in there? I mean, is that hard on then Jansen to bring a player in that's going to probably replace him? Or then do you shuffle Jansen across into the centre and bring a Phillips in down the right? And like we said, solid three and then wings go. I know you've had a bit of a video watch of him and sort of agreeing with the kind of summary or. You've seen something
0: different in it? Uh, no, I think you've come to the to similar conclusions. I think the Klopp thing's quite funny as well, the League the League One or League Two defending legs. Like he, it's difficult, isn't it? Like I, I think his movement across the turf he almost looks like a horse that's sort of not in its stride. Like it's just sort of getting its sort of like <laughs> sorting out its legs and galloping and I think that counts against him. Um He's had it difficult, I think, going into Liverpool's team. I mean they're a good team but I'm wondering how much there was obviously lots of talk about how like terribly they're defending and they've dropped off massively, but I think as a team they they figured out that. You can't press like as madly as you can in a pandemic era, like age of football. You have to ease back, and we at Brentford realised that as well, and sort of built a team that was better to to sit back and soak up pressure. But I think they lost a lot of their pressing, but they didn't sort of move any deeper. They carried on with a high line, so <laughs> I, I I don't know. I think he's probably got the short straw of that. Barnsley um, would also
1: disagree with the press in front, by the way. I think they they've proven that it, it kind of works in a COVID era. And how well they've done this season. So who's that? I Barnsley. That one. Oh, oh, Barnsley. Barnsley yes. Disagree.
0: Yeah. 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 They're something superhuman, though. But we'll go on to. Funnily <laughs> enough, we'll move on to them in a second. But um, but yeah, I, I think um, just there's a few the the positives. I think on the video, what I'm watching is I, I think we do our aim is to maybe we don't want to allow crosses, we never really have them, we want to prevent them, but I think moving the ball out wide to a least valuable situation to force teams into crossing, and I think against Liverpool you see that that's what teams do, they put a lot of loopy crosses in, and that's that's a way to attack and I think he defends those okay I think um, there's been a couple of performances where he has stood out a little bit actually, I think he he had a good game against Spurs, I think this is obviously an ex-Jose Mourinho Spurs, not the best attacking team anyway, but (laughs) he came out looking really good in that Um, um, Sebastian Haller, he pretty much kept him in his pocket and not really the explosive or as good of, as good a player as we probably thought he was going to be, but also had another good game against him. There's a few good performances dotted around and I think um without sort of too much going on ahead of him, I think he did okay actually. Not as bad as um not as bad as some people would have said. Uh so yeah. I guess negatives on him. Yeah. I mean, stylistically and it, how good is he in possession? I think he tries to hit these diagonals, but I think he's got some very good runners, as I was saying earlier, like if you've got Manet and Salah running off you and you're, you're looking at that movement to hit him behind, you, you, they're making bad balls look good sometimes, aren't they? That's the thing with those guys. So he's an interesting player, but again, his experience might be something we call upon just to, just to move in, especially with, um, with our lack of players on that right hand side. Um, A little bit of a change of tack now so a lot of the players we talked about have been top tier players they've been dominating their leagues um the top tiers in their respective countries but we're actually going to i think it would be remiss of us not to not to dab a little bit on um, the championship's top performers so if if we think about what the top of the championship is if we look at it as just one big international worldwide league the championship some of the players in the championship probably are good enough for like lower premier league teams um one that's um, one that stood out to us over the last few years um, has been a Barnsley player so his name is Mads Jewel Anderson um, everyone should know about him now he's watched the um, watched the championship over the last few years uh, this is another Scandinavian player um, he's very tall another one who's just a really big size six foot four Um right footed but playing on the left side of the defence for Barnsley mainly out of that, that channel um, Barnsley are well known Jake you um, mentioned it previously they're a high pressing team they sort of condense the pitch and play high so it, this is a player that's um, he's used to having huge spaces behind him defensively so if you attack Barnsley well you want to turn them the other way and just race them back but they've done really well like a high pressing game um, him just pushing that defensive line high um, good in duels, really good aerially, good on the ball as well. I think for such a direct team, um, for such a direct team, Barnsley and their defenders make a lot of passes. I mean, regularly you're seeing him making over fifty. This is, this is, yeah, it's it's really difficult to say they're just a uh, hoof it long and knock it down game uh, team when <laughs> when they make so many passes. I think it's the speed and timing of them and and the areas that need more scrutiny, but very good on the volume side of things I think he looks ready to either move to a top sort of maybe top three or four championship side or really at a push you could see him one of the lower lower Premier League teams I think that might be a little bit of a stretch but I think there's more in this player and um, he's shown after a couple of seasons now that that someone, I think, again, someone's going to make a move on him. I think it's time for him to move on. He's been at Barnsley for a couple of years now. They've they've probably gone as... There's, there's going to be a little rejig this year after getting to a playoff semi-final and probably mo- losing out. Um, yeah, so there's just... An, I, I think he's one to keep an eye on. I don't think it would cost a great deal to get him out of the team. Yeah. Um, uh, played an interesting style and um, that's that's what would probably be a bit wary about him whether he's a little bit how would he deal with a little bit more cohesion and just a little bit more structure and um, not so much playing for those second balls just, just obviously you want that but that not being their primary source of attack and just those turnovers so a very interesting player um, good age, good profile um, good experience of English football I think um, seems like an intelligent guy very capable um, it's just whether just whether they believe that he could make this step up but I think price and um, availability would be very desirable and there's been um, there's been um, a positive move from Barnsley before Pinnock obviously came from Barnsley so they know about defenders there they've had a few good ones over the last few years and um there'd be a lot of um, signals that um, that would interest us, I think. So he's one to look out for. That's our main list. Um, those players have all stood out to us, and we've had a look at them, sort of scrutinise them a little bit in, in, in the um, in the video side of things. Um, Munoz is probably a little bit ahead of the others, I think, as an ideal person to come in. So he's definitely one to keep an eye on. But um, there's a special mention for some others, which we probably haven't explored or haven't had the time to explore on here. Um... Andreas Hatcher Olsen came up for us at Ghent. Um, I watched him and I wasn't overly wasn't overly convinced on him. <laughs> um, bit of a data, darling, but not quite so much on the video. So that's where you've got to be careful with this stuff. Are there any, other, any others in our list, Jake, we haven't had time to explore? There was a few young lot that came up. There was one, the, the guy of the
1: test, uh, Danilo Donisky. Oh, a derky. A, a derky, yeah. He's 22, playing for the Test. Not a Chelsea loanee, which was the first biggest surprise <laughs> here. Had a decent... Again, this was much more of a data guy that came out. Not had not watch too much video of him. And I tried to market it have him quite valued quite highly. So maybe one again beyond our realm. Uh, Jerome... Oh God, I can't butcher this. Agnani? Is that close enough? Agnani? Agnani, I can. think that's probably bad as well. Uh, currently on loan from Salzburg. Uh, as you know, in Syria, they currently apparently have an option to buy on him. But again, he's not hardly ball since January, since he joined Jiruna. So one of them potentially that could jump in. Really, really athletic, like incredibly good player for the physical element. He's strong, tall. He's incredibly quick for a centre-half. Technicals do lucky places, but... Again, more than capable to cope and step in. So he was a big one that I quite like. Again, anyone that's played football manager probably will recognise the name from mm. from Salzburg. and He was there several years and potentially an option there if we want to trigger that. And then one last guy that's brought a lot of attention, I know across Europe and a few of the big clubs have been linked to him is Ola Dynan Senunu. He's currently at Club Rouge. He's 20 years old. Again, another one that comes out in the data, but there was, by all accounts, the press is reporting a few top six clubs, and some of the bigger Premier League clubs are circling around him, so not quite in the realm of possibility at the moment, but at 20 years old, looks like a very, very good player, and the ceiling for him is incredibly high, and I think he probably will end up in the Premier League, or at least a top league, in the next couple of years, if if he continues his upward trajectory. But like all these things, is recruitment, he might come to England and hate it and realise that Arsenal are a terrible football club to play for or a Tottenham <laughs> or and he might hate it and, you know, destroy his development. They might do what Scott Hogan did and tell your ACL twice in the space of 18 months and not click a ball for two years and then go on and appear out of nowhere. Recruitment is a minefield in the best of times and, there's so many factors beyond just the data profile and and their video. So much more is at play and for all these players we recommended it. the club might be aware of them. Clubs might be aware of them. For all we know, someone like Munez has probably been signed to another <laughs> club already and it's just not been announced, so
0: Yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? It's, it's difficult.
1: An, it's a minefield, it's yeah. <laughs> the and there's also so many factors at play and potential where it can go wrong or things happen and it can just mean people don't set up and but that's the fun of it and i'm sure those at the club are having a very very busy summer and are all prepared and looking forward to see where they go and it'll be a really really interesting cr model now taking that next step up if tony was the the step up from watkins yeah, imagine now what we can do with a hundred million pound war chest
0: behind us. It's um, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? It's going to be exciting, and uh, we're yeah, we're we're just going to be watching it with um, with bright eyes as fans, as well as um, people who have uh, an interest in the in the mechanics of the analytical side of the game as well. But yeah, I hope you've enjoyed it. We've brought you um, lots of Scandinavians. We have brought you Danes. <laughs> we have brought you a Scot, um, a Colombian. Um, an Englishman as well, um, tucked away in there. Um, and yeah, there's a few others as well, some few other nationalities dotted around. But um, yeah, I think um, I've enjoyed that. Jake, do you have a favourite that you've um, picked out? Is Munoz your, your, your number one? one?
1: If we were looking for that, if the, what we said was what we we're looking for, is the pick for me in terms of play
0: yeah and on that note I think um, yeah I'd um, I'd probably agree I think Ajar's running him close but Munoz is Munoz looks like um, looks like a Dalsgaard in waiting doesn't he which is great to see Okay. okay um, yeah thank you so much for joining us Jay that's been brilliant I've really enjoyed it um, every bit of it like just the watching the players back um, just like the data side um, it's, it's great fun isn't it if only um, If only you could do this full time <laughs> <laughs> um sure. remember um the watchword is beast tactical or bees analytica um there's still loads of stuff up there you can see from these guys um jake as well um and the other the other side of things too um yeah the substacks they're all there there's all the old tactical articles um loads of visuals like the twitter's still pretty active um review the podcast wherever you get your podcast yeah share the podcast as well um support the patreon um jake any lasting words no,
1: that's still from me. I think you've covered most of it. And thanks for start. having me on again, and it's always oh. fun to chat a bit in Brentford.
0: Yeah, absolutely love it. Really look forward to chatting to you, and um, always a good thing to, to get to chat to you. Um, on that note, guys, we'll catch you next time.